you know, it's important for me to bring guys like yourself on because, you know, as great as the superstars we all talk about are, what you guys do and what a guy like yourself did and achieved at your height coming from Puerto Rico um, and then had a 13, 14 year career, man, it, it's, it's one in a million type stuff, right? So I want, I want you to take us through what made JJ Berea, because you, you represent the Hooper, the pure Hooper that I always speak on, um, uh, you know, and a, and a guy that really had to carve every little minute detail of his game to become the player that he did at the highest level of the league. And, you know, you were impactful pretty much right till the end, putting up double digits. Um, take me through your beginning because you came in undrafted, right, in 06. Um, and then to do what you did at 5'10", I don't think people realize how hard this, this shit really is, man. Take me through it all. Yeah. No, so, so long story short, uh, born and raised in Puerto Rico, Mayagüez, Puerto Rico, and the west side, I got two older brothers. Uh, my parents and my mom and my dad are addicted to sports. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a swimmer. My mom is a tennis player, volleyball coach. So I grew up playing sports, uh, every type of sport. I always tell all the kids, uh, play every sport. It's going to help you in basketball. Yeah. Basketball is going to help you in the other one. Yeah. Uh, so since, since I was six, seven, my dad, uh, they saw something in me for basketball that was special. Uh, so they just pushed me. They put me in the right direction. Uh, and I learned, I learned how to, how to always be the point guard, how to always finish over big guys, how to use my body, how to be more aggressive than everybody else. I always had a perfect handle with both hands. I think that's the most important thing for, for guards. You got to be better with your, your weak hand than, than with your strong hand. That's the, the only way to do it. Uh, and then in, and when I got to high school, I made a decision. You know, I was like, that's the first time ever I was like, I'm going to take basketball for real. I went to my last year of high school. I left Puerto Rico. I went to Miami by myself. Uh, and that's when the first I was in the States for the first time, full time. Uh, I got I played the 38 games and that was the first time I really started playing against guys like Amaris Tottemeyer, uh, then in, with the national 19 and under national team, I played with Chris against Chris Paul, yeah. Deron Williams, D Brown. And that's when I got started getting in my head that I could do this. Like I'm, I'm in the same level. I could, I could get, I could play with those guys in the NBA. Uh, but yeah, I, I got to Northeastern undrafted. Uh, I only had one scholarship, one scholarship. To was the, it was Northeastern university in Boston. Wow. And coming from, so wait, just, you're in Puerto Rico. Um, yeah. You know, this is early 2000s pretty much, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Was this like this, you were kind of like the beginning of that, right? Because they're, they, they were producing guys and there was guys that were coming out of there, but it was still, it was still pretty much, a, a, you know, for most part, it was not something that every common guy could do in, in, in that region, right? Oh yeah, it was new. There was no YouTube. There were no Instagram. Yeah. Uh, so you had to leave Puerto Rico so they could see you. That's, that's why I left. That's why I left to Miami. Uh, and that's why I got the scholarship in, in Northeastern in Boston. Uh, so were you, were you a guy that was working on your game, you know, all day, every day? Um, you know, when you were coming up and, and right before you went to Miami, like when you got to Miami, you had to been at a certain level where you just go over there and it's like, you know, you fit right in. Yeah, I wasn't a guy of 
working out like like now nowadays everybody's just working out on their game doing drills yeah. shooting i was more of a player like i i like to go outside and play i play yeah. one-on-ones twos. Uh, i play baseball tennis volleyball uh you name it i was playing it i was never a guy that uh to go to the gym and just work out on my game like i just get it like well while I was playing, yeah, when I was a young kid, they teach they teach me the fundamentals really good, you know. Yeah. And my coaches, when I was eight, nine, ten, eleven, they gave me the drills really good. And then after that, I just I just took over. That's crazy. And then you know, you get to Miami, you see this American level of basketball. You felt like you fit in right away. Talk to me about that era, like guys like Amare, guys like Chris Paul. You know, like that was a very very elite yeah. elite time in basketball right there. Um, you know, it was, it's, it was tough, tough, tough making at that time. There was, there was obviously AI. He had the influence for smaller guards. Um, but like, just take me through that time period of basketball, man, because I really feel like that was one of the peaks. So uh, growing up in Puerto Rico, uh, I was probably the best in my age, every age that I was playing. I was the best in Puerto Rico, probably in my age. So I was getting double team, boxing one, my whole life. Yeah. I was getting hit. It was physical. It was brutal. So when I got to the States, it was, it was more free. You know, it was like, oh, this is awesome. I got space. I, got, I get to do what I want. Yeah. So it, it was awesome. And then, yeah, when I just started playing basketball for, full time. When I got to the States, it was like an everyday thing, working out, drills, practices, games, uh, traveling, uh, travel basketball. Yeah. Uh, and then in the summers, I was playing with the Puerto Rico national team. So we went to the world championships. We got to play against the best teams in the world, the best players of my age, like Carmelo Anthony, yeah. uh, Chris Paul. Yeah. And I remember uh, 19 and under world championships, I had 34 and then I had 32 against USA back-to-back games. Wow. And that's huge, right? That's, that's what's probably turning the head of scouts right early on. And uh... Exactly. That was after my, my freshman year in college. I was like 18, 19, and then and a lot of a lot of universities wanted me to transfer. Yeah. But I was I was I was, you know, I I stayed loyal to to Northeastern. That's crazy. Also, because yeah. like you took that one offer, right? And there's a lot of guys that they go undrafted. There's a moment there where you're like, you know, especially in a league of giants where they're like, okay, should I be doing this? Should I look at some other options? What was the mindset like then? Were you really committed to just like, yo, I want to do this. I'm going to make the league. Um, no ifs, ands, so, that's, that's a great question. So my mindset, people always ask me, my mindset was never making it to the NBA. I love basketball. And I always looked at it like I just want to play in the next level. Yeah. Like, so the next level was high school in the States. The next level was uh, playing for the Puerto Rico national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to do good in college. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the competition at the highest level and this and that. And I, I think it was, well, the decision for Northeastern, what I tell the kids now, go to a school that the coach gives you the ball from day one. Let you play your game. So I started day one and I started my last game of, and of, of my career in college. So I started That's every game. That's the difference. So I played 35 to 40 minutes every game for four years. Wow. And, and I knew I was getting better, better, better. I finished averaging 21 points and nine assists a game in college. That's the big thing right there because a lot of guys go in a situation where they don't 
get to be the guy and showcase their game, their ability's locked half the half the time, right? By the exactly by the time they got out of college, they're not ready. No. They're That's not ready. Crazy. And I was it gave me so many reps, so many comp uh, practices, so many everything. And then so what we're talking about, junior year, senior year. That's when Coach uh, Ron Everhart, he's the assistant coach at uh, West Virginia now. He brought me into the office. And he goes, "Hey JJ, if you, they call me Jose back then. Yeah. Jose, if you uh, keep playing and keep getting better, you're gonna have a chance to make it in the NBA. I got scouts coming to wow. see you." Wow. And that was the first time, like the NBA really. That was a that was what what year was that? It was like junior and senior year. Wow. That was the first time like the NBA started getting in my head. Wow. Yeah. So then I started like watching more NBA, doing more, uh, looking for drills that the NBA guys were doing and workouts, stuff like that. Yeah. I've been to Puerto Rico. I've seen the basketball culture there. You guys are like, there's a lot of hoopers there. Like you said, guys that are just creative. Um, Carlos Arroyo, you know, exactly. uh, was a guy in 04 when he, when he went at uh, USA you know, again, he had that flair. He had that handle and that creativity, just that playmaking ability, right? It came kind of natural to you guys. Um, was that from just being out playing sports all day, like soccer, um, you know, and, and just the – I feel like you guys have that swagger to you, you know, when you play the game of basketball. Where did that come from? And you had it too. No, exactly. Carlos was huge for, for point guards in Puerto Rico. That 2014 was yeah. awesome. And we, like I always, I always joke around, we have a bunch of point guards in Puerto Rico. Yeah. We have, and we are fast. We could go left and right. We're aggressive. Uh, but yeah, I think my, my thing, I think it, I got it. I played a lot, a lot of tennis growing up, like a lot, like the same amount of basketball. I played tennis, yeah. volleyball, a little bit of baseball. And I think those sports helped me to move the way I moved in the basketball court. Right. You know, I, the confidence I had in the NBA that I could get to wherever I wanted on the court with my dribble, that was huge for me. You know, like right, I, I'll right. go to the game just knowing that I could get to the paint whenever I wanted. Yeah, because there's a lot of multi-directional stuff when you're playing tennis and soccer, right? A lot of footwork okay. involved. Um, okay, so 2006, um, you go undrafted. Was there a moment of doubt? Like, yo, okay, you know, I, I don't know if I could do this. Um, because that when you go undrafted, you basically got one small window. You got one small, yeah, you got that sure. one small window and it's pretty much make or break. And you got to really be impressive. You know, that is where this shit gets really, 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 you know. For sure. We knew me and my agent and my, and my parents, we knew it was going to be almost impossible to get drafted. So we knew that coming in. Uh, but all we wanted was like, all I wanted was opportunities to know for myself and maybe to, to show them that I could play in the next level, like the NBA level. So they invited me to the Portsmouth Invitational uh, in Pittsburgh, I think it is. Yeah. And, and then I, I, I've almost got the MVP. I got the Allen Iverson Award. I, break, I broke the assist, the assist record. Uh, and then that one got me the attention of a couple teams. And that, from there, they invited me to Summer League. Wow. So Golden State and Dallas invited me to summer league, both of them. Yeah. So we figured out a way that how we could do both. So I played with the with the Golden State and in, in, in Vegas summer league. Yeah. And I did okay. You know, I was like, oh, maybe this is this is tough. You know, it was hard. It was athletic. It was fast. Yeah. Guys, guys were super big. Yeah. 
And then Dallas, I went to, with Dallas, I went to the Utah, to the Utah Summer League. Yeah. And they started me as a point guard, and I did really good those three games right. with them. And that's how I was like, okay, maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible. Then I want to, I, I need an invite to a training camp to see if I can make the team. Yeah. So Golden State and Dallas, they both invited me. So I had to pick one. Uh, Dallas had one spot for one spot left open. So I went to Dallas to try to make the team. That's crazy. And it was four guys for one spot. Uh, and I was like, oh, you know what? We got nothing to lose. We're just going to try. And when I got there, my, my best game was a pick and roll. Yeah. So in the NBA, that's when the pick and roll was really starting to Right then and there, Steve Nash, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nash, all that stuff. Yeah. Avery Johnson was the head coach in, in Dallas, so he had a similar story to mine. Right. Uh, and after they they cut two guys, they cut one more, and then the last game of the preseason, we're down 12 going into the fourth quarter, and they throw all the rookies in, and we ended up winning the game, and I, was, I had like 14 points and like six assists in the fourth quarter. And the next day, they told me I made the team. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Like, you really got in on the last day. On the last day thing. Wow. Uh, you got to be patient. You had to, like, there was a bunch of days that I was like, all right, this is it. I'm gone. Sure. Like, this is, I tried. I tried my best, but it's not going to happen. It's crazy then, what, the, yeah. what the man upstairs has written for us, you know? Um, right time, right place, right opportunity. Take advantage of the opportunity. It, it, it all has to, to come line together. Up. Oh, yeah. It has to line up. And you were going into a situation. They had just come off the finals, right? Yeah. Wow. We had, we had a squad. So I knew <laughs> even when I got picked, I knew I wasn't going to play at all. Right. But I thought I, I looked at it as a great opportunity because here I get to get ready. I get to get better. Uh so I was, all I was doing was working out, working out, working out, working out, yeah. watching, watching. I had Devin Harris. I had Jason Terry. I had Dirk Nowinski. Yeah. Uh, so it was awesome, man. It was a well, great team. Those first couple of years are pretty much just all working out, right? The, the, first, the first year and a half, for sure, was just working out. Like, and Avery Johnson, like, he was super tough on me. Like, if I turn it over once in practice – he stopped practice and he just cusses me out the whole practice. Yeah. And then they sent me down my first year, they sent me down to the G league, to the D league back then showcase. Yeah. 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 And it was the best two weeks of my life. Oh yeah. Like I was, I'd never played basketball so good. I, I had 43, 41, 35, 14 assists. So they, they called me back up and they were like, yo, you're never going back down there again. That's crazy. I always tell people, right. That are like, um, when you guys actually get to the league, whether you play or not, that's when the separation occurs between guys like yourself and guys that were right knocking on the door because now it's your job and you have those reps, you have rebounders, you have trainers, you have a whole team monitoring every single thing you do. And that is why you probably went to the D-League showcase sharper than ever because you yeah. have that year of just straight NBA training, you know? I remember to this day, Avery, Avery Johnson called me. He's like, JJ, we're going to send you down to the G League uh, to play some games because you haven't been playing. And I was super excited because I was like, yeah, I want to play. I've been working out so much. Right. And then when I got there, I just couldn't miss. I couldn't miss. The, uh, and the floor was so wide open. Yeah. Uh, 
So it was, it was awesome. You know, and then rep, your repetition yeah. goes through the roof, right? Like never before, like never <laughs> before. I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to send me to uh, five-star basketball camps. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember I was there for like a week or maybe two weeks. As soon as I got back to Puerto Rico, that first game back, I was like 55 points, uh, <laughs> yeah. 43 points. Like right. it was, it was awesome because of the yeah. reps. That's yeah, exactly. It's all repetition, you know, but like for, for, for you, it's a little bit different though, because you, like you said, you had to be very crafty, you know, and <clears throat> you had to learn how to use your body. You had to operate at certain angles, right? Because you had, you know, a size disadvantage in that league. So athletic too, right? You, you come in, um, and, and, and that time it was a really, it was a different game because you still had two big men in the paint. You still had, um, you know, there were still zone defenses at times. So it was a little bit uh, more tame. You know, the stats weren't inflated like they are today. It wasn't that fast either. It was slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a very tight half-court game. How was that? You know, how difficult was that? And how long did it really take you to make those adjustments? I know you were creative, but you know, just realizing, okay, these bigs are now jumping 42 inches in the air. My floor has <laughs> got to be a little bit higher or, you know, kissing it off the glass, <clears throat> protecting the ball a certain way. When did you make those, those adjustments? So I, I always grew up. I lo love to get to the paint my whole life. I was always super crafty and get into the paint. As soon as I get by somebody, I use my body and they can never get back in front. Uh, always my whole life. Yeah. Uh, then as Steve Nash started doing it in the league, Chris Paul were doing it, so I was watching a lot. Right. Uh, but yeah, the NBA. And then when I started playing in the NBA and transition, I was good. But in the half court, it took me a while to still get adjusted. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I had, I got lucky, you know, I had a, the best pick and roll player in the in, uh, in Dirk. Yeah. So me and him, we made a, a pick and roll game that was awesome. You did. Uh, but yeah, just losing it and. And for some reason, I had to. I had Darrell Armstrong. He was my coach. He was my, like my first, you know, NBA, you got like a personal coach. So DA was my personal coach. And he was awesome, man. He was always, he was like, if they go under one time, you got to stop and shoot it no matter what. Right. Like, even if you miss it, you got to stop and shoot it. And so you to do that, yeah. And I started doing it. I, early, I couldn't make one, you know, uh, it just took me a while to get the, the distance from the NBA three-point line. Uh, but that helped me because then if I made one, then they got to go over and then I have the whole paint the rest of the game. And then I started working on my floaters. I was really always good at finishing for some reason, using my body against a big guy. You got to hit him first. Yeah. And then that's the only way to get it up. And Take you're still going to get a block sometimes. Make the contact and then, you know, try to get it off. Yeah. NBA is a game of inches and seconds at that point. Um, especially then, uh, you really had to master that inches and seconds, right? So, you know, you come into Dallas, um, here you are a guy that, you know, you borderline, you barely made the league if you really look at it, right? So, yeah. you know, you come in, what were some details like in terms of just every day doing your job? Because it becomes, getting in is one thing, staying. It's the, the hardest Right. Staying. Talk to me about what went into staying now. So when I got to college, when I got to the NBA, uh, yeah, I, I was a scorer, but I wasn't a shooter, if you know what I mean. Like I could. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Buckets, it's a big difference. Yeah. Big difference. So I started working. I was like, if I want to be here, I, I got to make spot up threes. 
I got to work on my shot. So I started working full time on my shot. I, I used to use my left hand a little bit. So I took my left hand completely out of my shot, like completely. Like I changed my shot completely. So it, it started getting more consistent. Yeah. And then the other thing in the NBA, you got to find, you got to be good at everything. Well, you got to be one, one thing you got to be awesome at. So I, I was able to figure it out how to come off the bench. And as soon as I step on the floor, I was a bucket or I was doing something right. Like immediately, you couldn't wait. Because if you wait, you're going back out the bench and then probably you're back in the, back out of the league. Yeah. For you, it was like you were really, and this is what I remember even watching you early, you were the true definition of a spark. And yeah. even, even if you look at your minutes, you play like 20, 18, 20, 21 minutes a night. And there's guys that, that play a role, but they might have years where they, you know, they play 27, 30 minutes. Yeah. For you as a consistent, like you are operating in the yeah. NBA in a 20 minute window. Yeah. Like we used to joke around. I was like, yo, yo coach, all I need is 12 minutes. You give me 12 minutes, I'll give you 10 points, five assists. Like and you used to do it and you used to yeah. do it. Um, you know, just it's, it's tricky now because like today's game has become very analytical, right? And people okay, don't much. understand how streaky that role that you had to play was. Yeah. You, you come in some nights, you might miss your first three shots, that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you, you're, you're, you're pretty much cold for the night, right? In that small yeah. window. Yeah. How tricky was it finding that, you know, trying to be as efficient as you could, as quick as you could in that short window, make an impact, right? To stay on. No, man, it was, it was hard. Like my brother, my older brother used to joke around and be like, yo, go to the gym, sit down on the bench and get up from the bench and start, and start hooping. Yeah. And try to sim simulate as, uh, as similar as you can to an to a NBA game. Yeah. And I, so I just tried, like I worked on a game, mind games in my head. And, and then I was like, I, with the coach, uh, Rick Kala, we had a good relationship. I had a great relationship with him. I still have. Uh, and I was like, yo, can we like, give me like the same time. I'm coming in the same time every game. Yeah. So he started, we started working on that. So I knew exactly when I'm coming in. When well, was that? When, when was that? At what? At around what point was that? Like, when were you coming in? I'm coming in late first quarter. Uh, I always wanted to come in, maybe three minutes left, uh, two minutes left uh, at the end of the first quarter. Okay. If I waited to the second quarter, uh, I didn't like it. it. For some reason, I just it was too long. Yeah. Uh, from warmups to to coming in the game. So, by the six minute mark, timeout. I used to warm up a little bit, run up and down during the timeout. Yeah. Uh, by four minutes, three minutes left, I know I'm going, I'm going in and I'm going in with a uh, Dirk. Uh, I'm probably with a, who was it? Uh, Josh Howard, Josh Howard, uh, Jason Terry, yeah. uh, later on. So I knew who I'm playing with when I'm coming in, what plays am I calling when I run the pick and roll, who's going to be open, who's not. So yeah. I kind of knew going into the game, like before I got in, I'm watching the game. I knew what I got to do when I get in there. Right. And, you know, you guys' offense ran through Dirk Nowitzki, um, yeah. one of the best that's ever done it, right? And you got to see that day in and day out. Obviously, you played against some amazing players. I want you to talk to me about Dirk. You know, how special was that? Um, and, like, I, you came in, and I remember you guys had that, that 
you know, horrible series against the Warriors where you guys were the best team in the West. And, you know, you saw him go through those bumps and bruises. And I'm going to get to 2011 because 2011 was your coming out party um, yeah. in, a, in a way. But also you saw that guy go through the grind and, and really just stay true and loyal to Dallas. You know, how, how was that? But first of all, he treated me from the first time he saw me, he kind of joked with me. And then he treated me the same way till, till today. You know, he's, a, he's my favorite teammate of all time. And I have millions of teammates, great teammates. He's number one. Out, uh, outside the court, inside the court. But when I first started getting to know him and watching him work out, I was like, this can't be real, yo. Like, this guy was insane the amount of workouts the amount of shots yeah. all the stuff he had to do to get his body moving uh weird workouts yeah with his a german coach uh and i was and i was i was learning and i remember we were talking about it that first year when the german coach uh hoger wasn't working out with dirk mm -hmm. i was working out with him that's crazy because he he was he was awesome. He got nothing to do. He was working out Dirk, but Dirk was playing. So I wasn't playing that night. So I'm working out with him. Wow. So that I was like, if I work out 25% or maybe 50% of what Dirk does, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine. Uh, mentally, he was so tough, man. Yeah. He wanted to, he, he loved the competition at the highest level. He wanted to play against the best. He wanted the ball. He wanted the ball. He wanted the ball at, at the best times. Yeah. Uh, he was a dog. And, and he was a team player. Like, if he has the worst game and we win, he's the happiest guy in the locker room. That's what if he has 50, 50 points and we lose, he was pissed. Pissed at everybody. Right. So he was, uh, like, like, he was the best, best teammate, uh, team first. He led by example. He never, he wasn't really a talker. He yeah, only yeah, talks yeah. to joke around. We, yeah, me and him, yeah, yeah. Get, get in trouble joking around. Yeah. Uh, but he led by example, you know, uh, team first guy all the way. That's why 2011 hit the way it did, because people knew about Dirk. You could just get that demeanor, you know, where the NBA was in a really good place that time, I feel like, because the player movement stuff hadn't took off. So you, you really kept a core together. Like there was no such thing. There's no such thing now as a J.J. Barea just staying with Dallas for six years right off yeah. top, you know. And, and just going out and winning a championship. It's very rare. Uh, you know, the league has become so individualized in the way that it works now. And you saw it. Um, you know, wow, like you, you, you guys, you come in, you develop, you're now a role player. You have that role as the spark. You know, the team is changing. Rick Carlisle comes in, a few moving pieces here and there. Um, talk to me about 2011, because to this day, that is considered, and that's when your name comes up a lot. Um, yeah. Because you came in in that series, and we saw what a spark was on the biggest stage. And, and you know, you didn't go out and average 25 a game, but we felt J.J. Yeah. Barea's real impact yeah. on the grandest stage. Talk to me about that, because that was a monster team that you were going up against. No, that year, uh, we knew. We knew we had a squad, you know. We had, and for me and for us, we had the best player in the league. I, I, that year, Dirk was the best player in the league for us. Uh, LeBron just moved to, to Miami. So, it, you know, when you move to a new team, it's still going to take you some time to get, to get going. Uh, and those, play, those playoffs, we knew we were coming in like 
yo, we could beat anybody any given night. Uh, we go to Portland first first series. It was tough. Portland yeah. was had a squad. They did. And we beat them four two, and then we go to the Lakers, and and we're like, you know, me and everybody, we that's the team we couldn't beat ever. We couldn't beat the Lakers that year, the year before. Yeah. We just couldn't beat the Lakers, and we go to L.A. and and we swept them. That was crazy. That was shocking. We swept in. My pick and roll was amazing yeah. uh, because they had Bynum and Gasol guarding pick and rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was awesome for me. <laughs> you were. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the, we had shooters all over. We had Peya. We had Kid. We had Terry. We had Dirk. Tyson rolling down the middle. Yeah. It was perfect. So when we beat the Lakers, that's when it really hit me. That's when I was like, yo, this is it. This is our year. We're winning. Yeah, what about the other guys? What about the other guys around you? Like, same it feeling. didn't feel like you guys were the favorite, man. It didn't. Like, as the playoffs yeah, but for us, uh, for us, we had Sean Marion. I don't know if you ever talked to Sean Marion. I have a little he bit, is, yeah. He is the most confident guy in the world, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. He, he, he kept saying it. This our year. We're winning the championship. Jason Terry. Jason Terry had the tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Of the, he tattooed himself. And so we believed. We believed in ourselves. We believed we had the squad. We never doubted ourselves. Like we play, we, then we go to OKC, and OKC had a super squad, and we killed them for yeah. one. Yeah. And you know we get to the to Miami, uh, and the rest is history. Man, and was that like it? Kind of just man, that Dallas title run. You guys were an amazing team. You guys had that camaraderie. You had the shooting. You were a very complete team. But what I what I remember is the way you guys came together in the right moment and the way you rallied around Dirk. He went into God mode where he did look like the best player in the world, you know, oh. like he did. And I know when, when you guys beat the Lakers, that's when it was like, yo, Dallas, is, they might win the chip. Yeah. You guys were not the favorite in Miami, in my opinion. No. Yeah. No, you guys weren't because, I mean no. – People don't remember when that Heat team was formed, the energy yeah. around that. You got, it, it was, was the first time. It was crazy, yo. It was crazy. Yo, it was crazy because you had LeBron James, top two player in the world. Like Dwayne Wade, top three player in the world at the time. Yeah. You know, Chris, Chris Bosh was top top 10. Top 10 in the world. And it's like, yeah. we've never seen that before. Boston, it was a little bit out of their prime when they did it. When that happened, the energy around the league was like, holy shit, these guys just yeah, – yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was different. It was over. Yeah, yeah, it was over. And yeah. man, when you guys came in, looked at that monster, and said, "No, nah, we good, we got this," and just played your game, yeah. man, yeah. that was that was a monumental. There's got to be a documentary on that or something. Because take me through that. What was Rick Carlisle saying? What was Rick Carlisle doing? How was Dirk's mindset? Because I know he got pissed off in that series. They flipped the switch. Um, but you have Jason Kidd, you know, vet. He had been there before. He was knocking on the door. You know, how did that go? How did that go? How did so you we knew, go in and, and hold LeBron? So we knew that that team knew that that was our only chance. We, yeah. we were never going to be the same team next year. Uh, that was our last opportunity. We got Dirk at his prime, Jay Kidd last year. Uh, we knew we were, ne we're never going to be, again, playing the way we were playing. So, and then Dirk. Dirk has something on his mind that he remembered from 2006, the finals against Miami. He kept that in for, for the last five years. Like, he was just couldn't wait for the opportunity again. Yeah. And for some reason, I knew he wasn't going to let that opportunity go. 
He just wasn't. And then I think to win a championship, you all know everything. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got to be in their A game from the coaches to the players. And I remember scouting, uh, scouting reports were like, uh, uh, Coach Casey was uh, from the Detroit Pistons coach. He was yeah. an assistant. Uh, Terry Stotts was our assistant and, and Kyle Lau. And then Kid, myself, Dirk, Jason Terry, we all talking, see how we're going to guard this, how we're going to guard that. It was, it was intense. Right. Uh, but yeah, we knew Jason Terry was playing at a high level. He, was. he had 19 points in game six in the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so at all, Deshaun Stevenson was like our our enforcer and him and Tyson. Mm -hmm. uh, Deshaun Stevenson was our physical. He wasn't, he wanted LeBron. He wanted to guard LeBron. He wanted to hit LeBron. Yeah. So it, it, everything, you, you got to have everything to win a championship. Man, exactly. And, and people don't know how much goes into that, man. And nowadays I see, man, the league, you know, and I'm going to finish this off a little bit because yeah. you go on, you go to Minnesota, you come back to Dallas. You know, like J.J. Brea's role pretty much stayed the same for pretty much a decade straight. Yeah. Um, and then you, you saw the league change. We're basically, this is a different sport, what yeah. we're watching today. This I is play, a different I, My last, yeah, like my last three, maybe three or four years was now. Like, it went from basketball, it was getting faster, a lot of threes, but you still throw it into the post. My last couple of years, it was just get the ball, run as fast as you can and let it fly right like no plays just open the open up the floor yeah. and just go drive it kick so fast pick and roll drive kick and and you see luca come in the next one now you know yeah um how cold is he and because he, he has some of what dirk has you know unorthodox yeah. unique a master of his yeah. craft oh. when dirk left i was like there's we're not getting nobody close to Dirk forever here in Dallas. Yeah. And then this kid comes in <laughs> and the first time he came in the gym, we're playing pickup ball. And I was like, I had to guard him the first day before training camp. And I was like, he's huge, yo. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. kid is huge. He's slow, but he's huge. He started going by me behind the back. At first day, pump faking me, pump faking behind my back. Like, I was like, yo, this kid. And then I was like, he's, he's good, you know? And then when the when the game started, when the lights and the popcorn started popping, he turned into another player, right. like even better. Right. And I was like, okay, now we, now we, we got a kid now because yeah. he, he loves the attention. He loves the, the lights. He loves to play against the best. So I was like, okay, we're good here for the next, for the next decade. He's different. And, and you saw it in the bubble. Um, you know, you were effective right till the end. Uh, did the game become kind of easier for you when this league shifted the way it did in terms of, you know, the space and pace, the pick and roll heavy league uh, that we're Offen in. Offensively, it got, it got easier. Yeah. You got more, more reps, more space. Uh, you get to the paint, finish. Yeah. So uh, to get points and assists, it, it became a little easier at the end. Uh, but defensively, it was harder because there was so much space. So you really had to guard your man. If not, you That's were tough, running. man. Like I tell people like, it is damn near, if you take NBA, okay, like I understand overseas, I understand college. If you take NBA athletes and you put them on an island for 48 minutes up and down, it's almost impossible to stop some of these guys, right? Yo, I played, I played overseas. I played international ball. I played everywhere. 
there's nothing like the speed and the athletic of the NBA. Right. Even even the referees gotta be fast. Right. Like, it's moving. It's everybody's athletic. Everybody's fast, and everybody could play. Right. So yeah, there's no there's no slowing down. There's none of that. So you said the defensive thing. Now what's happening is, you know, today's guards are smaller guards. You know, like the JJ Barea type of guard is coming in, and they're being penalized um, for being for defense small. to switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Switching. Yeah. Because the game is literally robotic now where it's just analytics tell you, is he a plus or is he a minus? Right. And for guys like yourself, you're not going to – the nature of your role is not to come in and be highly – shoot 50% from the field, you know? Right. The nature of your role was to come in, try to be a spark, try to get it going, you know? How do you, how do you answer that, right? Because, like, I'm, I'm, they can't measure your heart. They can't measure your ceiling. And right. They can't measure the passion and fire you could bring to a game and change it. But they did just look at you as like, oh, he can't defend, you know? What, what what's what goes into that? So you like for me, yeah, you gotta like I was picking up 90 feet. Uh and they I knew they were gonna post me up. They they posted posted me up every 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 chance they had. So yeah. you gotta find tricks, you gotta you gotta know when when to take charges. And but the, the today's game, they're everything is a switch. If you yeah. see the games, they yeah, yeah. switch on defense. So the little guys are going to have to switch and, and they're going to get posted on, you know, and then you gotta, you gotta be able to win at least half of those battles. Right. Uh, if not, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to, to, to stay in the game longer. Uh, but yeah, that's how they, you, you got to switch. Now the defensive just switch and, and try to try to rebound. Right. And you gotta be effective offensively in those minutes. Just, yeah, just you gotta be if you're as you're small, you gotta be a, a monster offensively, right. like to be able to. You gotta attack the paint. You gotta create every single possession. If you go, if you bring the ball down and pass the ball and go to the corner, you're you're gonna be in trouble. Right, man. I really appreciate you coming on. You know, this is dope because to do what you did, like I said, is one in a million stuff. You know, and, and you really represent the pure hooper, the guy that just went in. Gave it his all, didn't give up, you know, loved the game and, and really crafted himself to that level. And you had a hell of a 14-year career, man. So yeah. thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. Thank